Very interesting parak, continuing the halachas of Mukta. Some of the things here are not so clear, but try our best. All the utensils used for weaving, including the cords and the reeds, may be moved according to the laws of a kli, which is designated for forbidden purposes, and also known as a kli shmachlisser. The exception over here is the uh, the upper and lower beams. Uh, these are not considered kalim, they're just considered raw material, as most beams. Since they are not, uh, they can't be taken, they're, they're, they're attached to, to the weaver's loom itself, so they're not considered to be a separate kali, a kali at all. Uh, the pillars of the weaver's loom cannot be moved. That's because they, they're very heavy and they leave grooves in the ground. And you may fill the groove in. That's the isser of correct uh, of fixing the ground is, is the isser of plowing. So it's to prevent you from being over that isser. All the other kalim that are part of the weaver's loom are allowed to be moved. Brooms made of date branches and similar material. With which you sweep the ground. They are like a kli whose primary malach is permitted. So going forward, we'll just translate it. We're not going to translate it. We're just going to call it kli shemalachleheter. So uh, you're allowed to sweep on Shabbos. As the Rambam said earlier, a floor which is paved may be swept. Therefore, a broom is called a kli shemalachleheter. The vein nimshin hasham and abinyan bricks that remain after building. They're considered klish machleheter. Because they are fit to be leaned on, because we're talking about a case where uh, the person, you know, did did a deed. He he, he uh, flattened, smoothed, or adjusted it for that purpose. If he collects them, uh, does not change them in any way, just collects them in one place. So he he like he designated them for building, and they may not be moved. Gimel, a small piece of earthenware, a shard. May be carried even in Rishashadavim. Uh, presumably, talking about a case where you're carrying it less than four amas. Since it's fit, if it's, even if, if it was in Rishashadavim, you could use it to cover a, uh, a small jug that was, in, that was in, the, in the courtyard. If it was not in Rishashadavim, I mean. Therefore, even though now it is in Rishashadavim, uh, um, so therefore, you could use the cover a keli. So even though even though current it's shab, it's still not moksa. The uh, stopper of a barrel that has been cut off, both in and it's broken pieces are allowed to be moved. But if you threw it in the garbage dump before Shabbat started, also the you're not allowed to carry it because then, you, then you, you're officially making it a non keli. Kleshin is a keli that, 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 that's broken, but not shattered into tiny small pieces, just broken. You should, shouldn't remove a, a piece of shard from it to use it as a cover uh, or as a support because you're, it's probably considered demolishing the keli, which is not allowed on Shabbos. We know, of course, that stones on Shabbos are muktzah, but Chazal, in order to uh, give people a respectable way of living and hygiene, allowed a person to take three rounded, rounded stones into the bathroom to use to clean oneself. Kamashurin, what size may they be? Kamay hayod, a fistful, uh, all three together. Avladama, but a clod of earth, which is easily crumbles. Also, you now use to clean yourself. 
because it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be effective for that purpose. Therefore, it's muktzah, as all crumbles of as, as all clods of earth are. The reason why we have a size designated for the stones is because they have to in order to use them for that purpose, they have to be. Uh, 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 Again, if you, if you designate the stones before Shabbos to be used to clean oneself after the bathroom, you know, toilet paper stones, then they're not mukta; they were designated. But if, you did, if that did not happen, then, they, then you have to use them on Shabbos. Mukta stones, you're allowed to use three stones that are, that all together fill the fist because that's the um, ideal size used for this purpose. If they're not that size, then, uh, then they're not really used for this, useful for, the, for this purpose and remain in the mukta category. You're allowed to bring stones up to the roof to clean yourself with them. If rain, rain, uh, it rains on them and they sink into the mud. If you can still see a distinct mark where they sunk, you're allowed to move them. Otherwise, you're not allowed to. Uh, it's considered like we're, we're, you're digging in the ground. Evan, a stone that has dirt on it. Uh, you know, it's like, it looks like it was used for the bathroom in the past. It's certainly used, been used for, to, to, to clean oneself. is not on Shabbos. Even if it's large, because it's obviously been designated for this purpose in the past. So carrying stones up to the roof, the vart is that even though it could be very difficult, and you're not allowed to do straight to do. Uh, uh, strenuous work on Shabbos, but because the person is going up there for the purpose of privacy to use the bathroom is permitted. Um, this person had two choices to use for bath material. A, um, a stone and a piece of earthenware. They're both equally mukta. You should use the stone because a shard is sharp and dangerous. If the shard was a handle of a keli, assuming that because it's it's uh, it was a previous previous was a handle which broke off, so therefore uh, the shard is assumed to be smooth. So therefore, um, uh, you better use the shard because again, since the 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 stone and the shard are not equally mukta, they're both equally not dangerous, both not sharp. But the shard is a little bit less muktzah, so to speak, because it once it was once a keli, and now, now it's bro- it broke. It still has a certain function to it. If a person had a choice between stone or grass, so if the grass, so so um, so rachim from soft grass, but he should use the grass uh, again because since it's used for animal fodder, it's not muktzah. If it's not soft, so then the the animal, the grass and the stone are equally muktzah. But the grass is dangerous because it's sharp and it can poke a person. So therefore, you should use the stones. Vav. Uh, remainders of mats that became ripped or worn out. So now, they're no longer useful for mats. Are they muktzah? They are still considered to be a keli that's used for permitted purposes. Because they're still useful to cover dirt. But the, but the remainder of a garment that got uh, rubbed out, that's not, not three, excuse me, three fingers by three fingers. Also, you now use that. If it's that small, it's no longer three fingers by three fingers, it's not useful for poor people or rich people. Broken pieces of an oven. Um... Chira, a stove, 
or arrange, as it's called, that one of its legs became, slipped out of place. Also, Talitla may not be moved, not because it's not a keli, it is a keli, but the Shemi, this God, there's a chashash, you're going to move it, you're going to fix it back in its place and be over the issue of building on Shabbos. Halacha Zayin. Sulam Shalalia, a ladder leading up to the second floor, which is basically the, you know, the staircase that they had back then. Also, Talitla may not be moved. She ain't love terrorist clean. There's no clean status on it. It's too heavy and too permanent. A keli. It's just they're like a raw material, like a beam. Shashevach, but one which is used uh, for a dove, a dove nest, which is which you do move around. However, you're not allowed to bring it from one dove nest to the other. Because not because of looks of it, rather because that, that way you're acting in your weekday manner. Of the other you may come to actually catch a dove or trap a dove, which is not allowed on Shabbos. The rod that you use to harvest. Olives to hit them, hit them off the trees. If it's considered a kli, based on the way it's designated, as opposed to just a piece of wood, it's considered a kli shemach leiser. Because now at a harvest on Shabbos, but a keli, excuse me, a reed that is adjusted by a homer to, to you know to close the door. If there's a, if it has kli status, in that case it's a kli whose uh, primary purpose is heter because you're allowed to open the door on Shabbos. Yeah, a door that has a hinge. Even though it doesn't have a hinge now, that is prepared for closing off a mokamukta, a designated a place that's not used for anything, uh, any any purpose. So vihini gredas and. It drags on the drags on the ground when you close it. When you when you when you close it, um, and uh, bundles of thorns, bundles of thorns, which you use to close up a breach, uh, opening in a fence, for example, or a mat that uses it as a door that also drags on the ground when you close it. So, when it's tied to and hangs from the wall, which I guess means that the, the wall, this, uh, the fence that, um, that doesn't completely close, which leaves the opening on either side, that you, you're closing off with this door, with this mat, so it's tied to the door on either, on either side. Same then you can uh, close it and open it on Shabbos, or close it and lock it on Shabbos. Um, if not, then you may not close it and lock it. Close it on Shabbos. If, however, it was um, uh, above the earth, if it was, uh, um, if it if it's above the ground, they can close them regardless of whether it's attached to the wall or not. A door that's made from a single piece of wood. That you place in the doorway and take and uh, you basically use you, you you take it out and then you put it back to close it. So if it didn't have like a a, a threshold or a doorstep below it, which demonstrates the keli meant for closing the the, the opening, and you may not close the opening with it. In other words, uh, this large piece of wood. Is it considered raw material or is it considered a door? So if you have a doorstep, 
that kind of makes it designated as a door, then it's considered a door. If it does have the doorstep, you may close it on Shabbos. A, 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 a bolt, which is, like a, which is like a beam that has a bulb at its end, which uh, like, a, like a head, that demonstrates the security for the purposes of locking, it's not a beam like any other beam. Then on Shabbos, you may use the bolt the door close on Shabbos because, again, a beam is not considered to be a keli, it's considered to be raw material. And therefore, you're only allowed to use it to be close on Shabbos if it's, if it's designated uh, for that purpose by some sort of fashion, the way, the way it's designed. Yud. Bolt does not have a bolt at its end. If it was tied to the door and it was hanging from the door, then you're allowed to use the closed door. It's considered part of the door. Or even if it was not tied to the door necessarily, but um, uh, it, 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 uh, you, take, when you take it off the door, the rope that's part of the door comes with it. So the fact it has a rope attached to it with which you fasten it to the door to, to, to close it shut, demonstrates that it's a keli. If, however, the rope was attached to the door, and then the bolt is removed just like a regular beam, obviously if you put it somewhere like in a corner to store it, and then when you want to close it, you put it back in front of the door like a, to, to, to lock it off. You're not allowed to close the door on Shabbos, it's not considered a keli. And it's not attached to the door. It doesn't have a rope demonstrating it as an effective keli. And therefore, it's muktzah. Yudalif. It's made of separate parts, kind of like Lego, sort of. Whether it's large, big time, or if it's small, it may not carry it on Shabbos. Maybe you're gonna, it's going to become detached. Then you put it back on Shabbos, put it back together. In that case, it's chayyuchai for building. If it had grooves and it looked like it was made of various parts, if it was large, you're not allowed to carry it because of its weight, um, which is not clear what this means exactly. In fact, it seems some of the manuscripts of manuscripts of Mishnah don't have these words, but we'll explain in a second. We'll try to explain in a second. Um, so the if it's small, that you may carry it. This, I was wondering if perhaps of your shot might be that if it looks like it's made of pieces and it's very heavy, there's a chance you will drop it. And it looks like you're doing something very, very problematic on Shabbos. You're carrying something which looks like it's made of many parts. It's likely to drop because it's so heavy. And so it looks like you're doing something wrong. But if it's smaller... So then, it's not likely to drop, even though even though it looks like it has various parts. Unlikely, it's gonna it's, that the people looking watching are gonna condemn you because they know that it's probably not gonna come apart anyways. You're not gonna come to putting it back together in the first place, um, uh, and it's not gonna it's not gonna come apart. And therefore, you're not gonna come to put it back together uh, because it's so small. You're less less likely to drop it. Of course, you know it's not gonna come apart because it's one piece, but they don't know that. All right, base. Mino shalgabe emus a. A shoemaker's block that has a shoe that's on a shoemaker's block that they used to fashion the shoe. Shedes b'Shabbos, you may remove it on Shabbos. Mechabes shel bale batim, a clothes press that belongs to a homeowner, not a professional cleaner's material. You're allowed to open it. Avalei you can't press the clothes on Shabbos. Shel kevshin, if it belongs to, it's a commercial grade. It belongs to the dry cleaners. It's muksa because of the fear of any kind of value. Uh, depreciation. 
unprocessed pieces of wool, rolls of wool. Imitals notice you may not move them. Pay shoe mark them because the person is careful about them, doesn't want to get them ruined. If he designates them for a certain purpose, Matar they're permitted. Ashlochin and unprocessed uh, skins, hides. Mutlhat may be used, whether it belongs to a personal person or to a uh, professional. Because he's not mocking about them, apparently they don't get they don't get damaged easily. Yud Gimel. Call Dov Matorif anything which is uh, filthy. Kigunri, feces, the key and vomit, the soy and excrement, the gatesman and the like. Mahaya Bachatsa Shafrim Bab. If they're in a courtyard where there are people living there, Mutl Tian and Ashba, the Besakisi, you're allowed to remove it to a garbage dump or to a bathroom because it's disgusting and it makes people cringe and, and uncomfortable and it's not in the spirit of Shabbos. So therefore, even though it's obviously very mukta in the sense that there's no use for it, because of it's what we call a Gerif Shalri'i, a chamber pot, which is a term for anything which is disgusting that grosses you out. Perhaps you can include in this a dead mouse that gets caught in the mousetrap. All that may be moved away to its proper disposal site. So if it's our Nikra Gerif that's called a Gerif Shalri'i, which literally means a chamber pot, but it's a term for any, any such thing. If they were in a different courtyard, then you just um, cover them with something, with a kedik. That's to prevent the child from getting dirty from them. But you can't remove them because no one's there and it's not bothering anyone. Spit on the ground. You can step on it as you're walking without intent. So you just kind of, you don't have to avoid it basically. You're allowed to carry a warming pan because of the ash. Even though now the ash apparently are considered to be repulsive, even though it has uh, wood chips which are muksa, again it's considered a chamber pot. You should not cause a, a this this disgusting thing to happen on Shabbos and then be required to to move it. If it does happen by itself, or even if you deliberately uh, transgress and, and cause it to happen, so you may remove it on Shabbos. Oil that comes out from under the pressing beam on Shabbos. So olives are being pressed. Before Shabbos, you put them in, it flows out on Shabbos. Or, uh, yeah, it flows out on Shabbos. Or at least it comes out from under the beam on Shabbos. In other words, it may have flown out the olive before Shabbos, but in any event, um, no, let's say it flowed out even on Shabbos from the olive. Or dates and almonds that are prepared to be sold. So then you think it's mukta. Because it's like merchandise. You may eat them on Shabbos. The reason for that is because food is never mukta. All food is considered prepared for Shabbos. Even if you have a, 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 a grain from a storehouse or from a, a grain pile on Shabbos, you're allowed to use them on Shabbos even if, you're, even if you're using it now for the first time from that grain pile. Not only if you use, it, if you use some of it before Shabbos, you know, you broke the rules, so to speak, and took from your your merchandise to to eat to eat before Shabbos. Even if the first time you take from it is on Shabbos, it's allowed. No such thing as food that's mukta on Shabbos. Everything is prepared for Shabbos. Except for um, dried figs and raisins, which is mukta when you dry them. Since they are uh, uh, disgusting in between. Uh, they're not edible, not food. In other words, between the, the, the period of when they're fresh versus when they're dried out, so you have you have uh, wonderful, delicious grapes. Then you take the grapes and dry them into raisins. So the raisins are, are also very good. But when, in between when the time when they're grapes and raisins, they become like dried out grapes, 
which are not so good. So therefore, they become muktza, and when they become actual grapes, they don't lose their muktza status unless you designate them. So there are muktza shavas unless you designate them before shavas. A barrel that was uncovered overnight, or a watermelon that broke, and overnight, so now you're not allowed to eat it because of the fear that a snake drank from the wine or bit the watermelon. It's just a You can't eat them. You're still allowed to move them and put them in a uh, 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 carry them, put them in a, in a, in a storage space because ultimately they still have food status for some reason. If you have an amulet that is not proven its validity, even you can't wear it, wear it in the Shabbim, you're allowed to move it. Leftover oil from a lamp or from a bowl. That was used to, to light on Shabbos. You're not use that on Shabbos. In other words, Shabbos began, this lamp was burning. All the oil in this lamp now, if you take any of it out of the lamp, you are chayev for the malacha of extinguishing because by removing some of the oil, you're causing the lamp to be to burn out one minute sooner or whatever time it is sooner than it would have otherwise. So therefore, all that oil is you're not allowed to you you can't use it on shot you can't use it while the candle is burning. It's isdaraisa. After a wind comes blows out the candle and there's left of the oil now, can you use it? I tell you, you can. There's no obviously no issue of extinguishing happening. The candle's already out. But because it was not allowed to be touched or used at all, the moment Shabbos, be, the moment Shabbos began because of the issue of extinguishing, therefore it means muktza the whole Shabbos because of this issue of extinguishing. That's called muktza machmas issue. If it was also to, to have anything to do with Shabbos began. Then you can't. It's also. It's then it's, then it's muktza, uh, uh the entire Shabbos. Tesvav. A storehouse of grain or of barrels of wine. Even though you're allowed to use it on Shabbos, you're not allowed to begin use it for the first time unless it's for the purpose of mitzvah. Unless you, for example, if you're cleaning out the storehouse to have a place for a. Uh, a base medrash to learn or to have guests. How do you clear it out? Everyone takes four or five containers of storage. Until they finish. One person do the whole thing is not allowed because that's considered excessive work. Now we said in the previous parak in a parak that you should leave one corner uh, with stuff so you, should, you shouldn't come to, to smooth out the ground and be chayev for building. You shouldn't sweep the ground. You should go in and out. If I make a path, as you go in and out continuously, that creates like a basic path. Anything which is fit to be used for common animals and birds may be moved on Shabbos. Case of example. You're allowed to move dried turmeric beans. Because it's food for goats. You can't Use you can't move the the moist ones because they're very bitter and nobody will eat, eat them even a goat. As a chatzav chatzav, which is a, um, a shrub whose roots penetrate deeply into the ground, you're allowed to move that fish. because it's edible for deer. As a chadol raw mustard seeds and peishu edible for doves. As a tamis and and bones and peishu they're edible for dogs. All the shells and peels that are fit to be eaten for animals, are not muktzah, may be eaten. But they're not fit to be eaten for any animal at all, like, for example, uh, eggshells, or walnut shells. You eat the food, 
you can open them to eat the food, and then you have to, while holding the shell, still, you know, it's mukta, so you have to throw it behind you, because you put it in front of you, and it's, it's going to be repulsive, and it's not nice. Also, you might move them. But also, you're not allowed to move them, they are mukta. Meat that is spoiled can be moved. It's not mukta, because it can be eaten by wild animals or dogs. Raw meat can be moved, whether it's salted, whether it's unsalted, because people can move it. Because the Ramam holds that raw meat can be eaten without being salted. Salted fish is also not mukta. Raw fish is mukta because it's not edible for a person or an animal. Uh, today, obviously, people do eat raw fish in terms of sushi, so the halacha obviously would change in terms of mukta. Yudzayim. A metal shiv is chuchish, now to move broken pieces of glass. Even though they're edible for ostriches. So, um, not, that, not that the ostriches uh, uh, will actually eat it as food, but they can eat it if they choose to. Uh, they have very strong digestive systems and it won't damage, uh, the glass won't damage them. And the glass, actually, they eat it as a way to help them process and, and break the food down. Um, so that, since ostriches are not a common thing, they're running around the neighborhood usually, a very rare animal, uh, therefore it's considered mukta. Of course, if you live in a place with the ostriches all over the place, uh, then the halacha might change. Nor bundles of twigs from a vine, even though they're edible for elephants, because again, elephants aren't very common. But it's a luf, nor can you move a luf, which is a wild vegetable of the onion family. Even though they're edible for ravens. Most people don't have these animals hanging around them. Yuches. Bundles of straw. Bundles of wood. Uh, or twigs. If they were prepared for, if they were prepared and designated for animal animal food, they may be moved. If not, they may not be moved. Bundles of wild hyssop, uh, different kinds of hyssop over these, all different kinds of hyssop apparently. Coronis uh, is thyme, kind of uh, kind of herb, uh, which are. Uh, they're, they're sometimes used for firewood, sometimes used for, for uh, animal food, sometimes people eat them. If you, if you brought them and collected them for firewood, you cannot use them on Shabbos. For, for animal food, you may use them. Uh, mint. Mint. Uh, kind of herb. And other kinds of spices. Again, depends what the purpose of collecting them was. If it was for food, for a person or animal, they're not mukta. If it's for fire, where they are, Mokutza. Good test. You're not allowed to rake food that was placed in front of an ox that's being fattened. Whether you use, uh, whether the whether uh, the food is in the feeding, uh, uh, a feeding trough that's uh, a keli, it's, it's you know, movable, or it's uh, dug into the ground. You dig a hole in the ground, you put cement, that becomes a permanent feeding trough. You're not to move it aside so that it doesn't become uh, mixed with feces. We're worried that a person is going to level grooves on the floor and be excited for plowing. You're allowed to take food in front of a donkey and put it in front of an ox. You're allowed to put food from an ox and put it in front of a donkey and Food that goes in front of an ox becomes disgusting or ruined with, because of the ox jewels. 
um, no other animal is going to eat it. So therefore, even though the, do- the ox will eat it, apparently, um, it's still not considered uh, food, it's considered mukta. Um, leaves that are disgusting and have a bad smell. different animal won't eat them. Also, they are mukta. Therefore, the hook on which fish are hung also is mukta because it's considered to be repulsive. Shall baser, but if it's the hook on which meat is hung, mutter is mutter. Same applies in all situations. Um, even though now let's move a dead body on Shabbos a corpse because you may smear it with oil and rinse it wash it as long as you don't move any of its limbs because it's mukta you'll have to remove a pillow from under it that should be lying directly on the ground on the sand they should remain without Decomposing because the colder it is, the slower it decomposes, <coughs> and the ground is is cooler than the air. Uh, presumably, at least sand is. You're allowed to bring uh, uh, cold um, uh, utensil to cool cool the dead body or metal utensil. Put on stomach. They should lay your back so it shouldn't swell. You stuff with its, its cavities, its holes, so the air should not enter it. These are all things that are done to, when a person, uh, when the, to a body, um, to preserve it. It's all process of uh, praying for burial. And you may tie the jaw in place. You're not allowed to move it so that it, it, will, it will close. If you can uh, prevent it from opening more. You're not allowed to close the eyes of a corpse on Shabbos. When a corpse is lying, in this, it's interesting that actually, according to, it seems that according to the Zoyar, the Minig is customary to close the eyes of a corpse and straighten its limbs on Shabbos. Um, okay. A corpse is lying in the sun. You put it on, on, on top of the corpse a piece of bread or a baby, and then you move it uh, into the shade. Uh, again, you don't, so it shouldn't. Uh, uh, decompose. If a fire breaks out in a courtyard or in a place where there is a corpse, you put a piece of bread or a baby on top of it, whichever one is available, and you move it to a place that's safe from fire. If there's no court, um, piece of bread available, nor a child, there's just an adult and the corpse, for example, you can still remove it and uh, take it into a place away from the fire, obviously not we're worried that if we're not going to allow a person to do that, they will put the fire out. He's very concerned about the, the, the corpse not become burned. He wants to bury the the, the, the person who, who's there. This heter, by taking something which is not muktzah, such as a baby or a piece of bread, putting it on something which is very muktzah, like, like a corpse, and moving it, is only allowed to be done for the sake of a, of a corpse. The person is very distraught over his corpse, of his, of his, of his uh, loved one, and therefore it's permitted. But to put a piece of bread on top of a, a muktzah item and move it, that's not allowed. If the corpse is lying in the sun, there's no place to carry it to, to uh, provide shade. So what you do. The person did not want to move for whatever reason. So you kind of do this, this, this sort of trick. Now, normally you can't do anything to the corpse. You can't, put a, you can't cover it with something or, you know, make a, a, a temporary tent. It's not allowed to be done on Shabbos. But this is the trick you do. 
Two people come and sit on either side of the corpse. Then they could decide uh, you know, that, that, that it's too warm for them to sit on the ground. Each one brings like a couch and sits on it. The other one brings a couch or a chair of sorts and sits on it. Then they decide that it's too hot for them on top. The sun. Then one can bring a, a, a mat and spread it over himself. The other brings a mat and um, spread them over over the, on themselves over the couch. Then this one gets you know um, uh, leaves and overturns the couch. Another one turns the couch over. So again, you have this bed. Now it is upside down and. Um, the legs are forming a uh, like a, a base for the tent. So now you have this, this mechitza, this partition uh, cover for the mess that happens by itself by 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 uh, by virtue of these people making this uh, this these uh, protection from this from from the heat for themselves. Because the two mats, their 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 roofs are are overlapping. And the two ends of the ground. The two ends of the mat are on the ground on the other side of the mess. So this makeshift tent is normally not allowed to be done on Shabbos. It's allowed to be done in this because of the situation. Chav Gimel. Meis, a corpse. Shriach and Bayez that is decomposing in the house. Nimtzim mispazah ben al-chayim ben al-meis v'hem mispazah menu. And it's uh, the people, the people in the live people are, are, are disgusted by it. And they are, he's being disgraced in the eyes of the living and they are, they, they are being disgusted because of it. So it's not covered for the dead body. The people are are like bowling their eyes at, 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 about it. The Kamalas, you can take it out into a Kamalas. God look for the Brias, the honor of uh, created created beings. It's very important. Because this way you see how it displaces a negative commandment. For who, which, who, which is... Do not veer from anything. The Chacham tell you right or left. So Muktzeh is a mitzvah the Rabbanon. And it's a lawyer to say to veer away from and not keep the halachas of muktzah. Nevertheless, that halacha is displaced for the honor of this corpse. If the people had somewhere else to go, then you don't take him out. Leave him in, in, in its place. The live people can leave the corpse stays in its place.